And good morning, Vibe Tribe. You are waking up to the vibe. It's so great to be here with you this morning. I'm Joe Altieri, your host, here for you and here because of you. We've said it before, we'll say it again. Happy Monday, everybody. Monday, what am I saying? It's Wednesday. I'm still on Monday. <laughs> but I can't wait till Friday. That's the funny thing about this. Hey, good morning, Keith and Lisa. Cindy, give some shout outs here. Good morning, Sherry. And good morning, the king is in the house. The dedicated fan. <laughs> You're all dedicated fans. I love it. Thank you so much. You guys are great. And I'm telling you, and when I say this, that it's because of you and it's for you, I mean every word of that. Good morning, Bob Paniccia. Welcome to the program this morning. It's so great to see you back and have you in the room. We're going to have a great time this morning. Uh, as always, no exception to the rule. We have a great guest today, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But a couple things I just want to remind you guys. First, I want to start by saying thank you so much, Jenny Lee Toner. Man, if you did not watch Monday's show and you want to be inspired like all the shows, okay? But Monday show, oh, off the hook energy, Jenny Lee Toner. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I, I looked forward to it all week. Uh, she's a friend and, and definitely did an excellent job uh, talking about all things to do with energy, positive energy and, and meditation and healing. And man, we got deep. We talked about red blood cells. So make sure you check out uh, the show I did on Monday with Jenny Lee Toner. I want to remind you this Friday, Jason Adamo and Doug Castine, they're back. They're back. And some of you might remember Jason Adamo and Doug Castine from when they were on the show uh, four months ago. But uh, we are going to help them promote their new album. These guys are fantastic. You probably know the name because I play their music on a regular basis. Super excited to have them on the show on Friday. And I want to let you know the website is updated. Please pay a visit. Yes, I'm going to get the newsletter out. I promise. I've been making promises, and I'm going to keep that promise because the newsletter is going out. But if you go to www.wakeuptothevibe.com, there you can sign up for prizes, contests, inspirational emails uh, once a week. That email goes once a week. It's an inspirational email, and you too can get that in your inbox when you go to our website and volunteer your email email address to me. I promise I will protect it. I will not share it. I will not sell it because that is between you and I, and it's good stuff. We're going to, the shirts get here tomorrow. I'm so excited. Shirts, hats, coffee cups, and you have to be an email subscriber to win. So make sure you visit the website, wakeuptothevibe.com. Give me your email address and you will not be sorry. Uh, the the uh, web address is updated also where you could go shopping and you can buy this stuff. Buy something. Don't just wait to win it <laughs> because there's no guarantee. And then with a thousand people signing up, I can't give everybody a t-shirt. It doesn't work that way. But hey, I'm excited. Uh, to uh, get the, the website rocking and rolling like it should be. Everything's updated. I took care of that yesterday. Go buy some some uh, apparel and accessories. I greatly appreciate it. And you're going to look pretty uh, pretty badass, to put it plainly, in, in your uh, Wake Up to the Vibe t-shirt. And we even have ladies' t-shirts up there, too, just to let you know. So I also want to thank. Now, this is a very, very special thank you. The people who comment in the room, all of you who are typing good morning, all of you who are saying, I bought a shirt, but I love when I have a guest on the show and you comment to the guest and you comment on the show, when you download the music of the artist I have on the show, or when you purchase the book of the author, or when you reach out to the self-help gurus that I've had on the show, because they report back to me and it's awesome. I love getting that phone call going, Joe. I just got two people from your show called me up and they want to hire me for my services. That makes me super, super excited because we're working hard to bring you this positive energy, this inspiration. We want to make a difference in your day. It makes a huge difference in my day. But I love when I learn that you're taking advantage of it because you know what it means? It means it's working. How about that? <laughs> that's what it means it means it's working ladies and gentlemen that's why we're here wake up to the vibe like share 
post, follow, comment, subscribe to YouTube, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. I'm probably leaving something out. Our goal is to be everywhere, everywhere we possibly can be. <laughs> now, it is that time where every single morning that we have Wake Up the Divide, we bring out an exceptional guest. And today is no exception to the exceptional guest because he's exceptional. <laughs> so please, from Prince Edward, Canada, he's a multi-time TEDx speaker, founder of Blue Talk. What is Blue Talk? Well, we're going to tell you. He is a columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine and Forbes Magazine. He has interviewed over 4,000 world top leaders. Oh, my gosh. No pressure on me interviewing the interview guy. <laughs> Please welcome Corey Poirier. Good morning, Corey. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I am super stoked and uh, happy to be here. Uh, my cat, as we talked about earlier, uh, decides to make an appearance whenever she realizes that she can be in the shot and uh, that time. All of a sudden, I see this fur exit screen left. <laughs> That's and beautiful. You know, she knows That's beautiful. We welcome cats, dogs, farm animals. It doesn't matter. Bring them on the show. Awesome stuff. Well, uh, if I do a repeat appearance down the road, I'll bring on our goat. Do, do you have goats? No, I just <laughs> you said farm animals. I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll bring on a goat or something next time. That's funny. A friend of mine uh, is a yoga instructor, and on Facebook, she was doing goat yoga. Do, yeah. Have you ever seen that? I have, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I think the funniest thing, not that we're going to talk about goats all morning, but I want to throw this out there because I had a band one time. I played a band, and I wanted to call it the Fainting Goats. Because I think it's just hilarious. You have you ever watched a video of goats fainting? I've seen I've seen a goat faint, like meaning uh, not not real real time, but I've seen one clip, I think, but not an actual full compilation, which I now have to watch. I think I think it's hilarious. Like you could drive by and beep the horn, and the goat will just faint. That's how they respond. <laughs> anyway, so listen, thank you so much for being on uh, Wake Up to the Vibe. It's a great privilege and an honor to have someone like yourself on the show. Uh, so many things to talk about. Let's let's start with Blue Talks. Uh, I'm familiar with Blue Talks, but I thought it would sound better coming from you because it would be accurate. <laughs> so, so if you don't mind, give us a, an overview. What is Blue Talks? So, you know what? This is the the easiest way for somebody to visualize it really quickly. It's basically uh, the if if I'll say it this way: if TEDx or TED Talks and Chicken Soup for the Soul had a child. That's blue talks. That's that's a powerful description right there. So, and what I mean by that too, Joe, I'll dive one step further. Is essentially um, TEDx. They don't necessarily you won't what you won't see on a TEDx talk very often is a spiritual type talk or talk about say um, holistic healing or or uh, synchronicities and stuff like that. Uh, but you will see that in the Chicken Soup for the Soul book, and so blue talks essentially is and i'm gonna i'll explain too that it's not just live talks but it's you could see a live speaker speaking about synchronicity or nlp or holistic healing or reiki so it's just i think in a lot of ways it's it's the depth that we'll cover and the direction we'll go blue stands for business life universe and so uh so that means on that stage you can see somebody talking business you can see somebody telling a life story or you can see somebody talking about the universe which again that would be the you know that holistic area or right. path. Uh, so it's any of those things. And then the other side, when I said it's not just on a stage, uh, as we launch, we're going in with a podcast. We're going in with the uh, book series, virtual events. And we've recorded 40-some uh, speakers so far at live events that will start airing, uh, going out every week in about two weeks' time. So that's that's it in a nutshell. And that's just one thing you're doing. <laughs> so <laughs> we were talking before we went live of of how busy life can be right and i want to give a shout out to elise rothman who uh has flipped your script on blue talks and was responsible for connecting the two of us so a special thank you to elise but uh so now i like that though because i'm a ted fan okay and and a tedx fan i, I love both uh platforms okay and and for those viewers that are watching our show, I encourage them to 
to make it a habit to watch TED, TEDx, Blue Talks, Wake Up to the Vibe, uh, because obviously, you know, Wake Up to the Vibe is inspiration slash motivation slash entertainment, right? Um, when you get into the spiritual, the holistic healing, uh, the spiritual, the synchronicities, right? I love, there's all these different angles on where your mind can take you, right? And and these platforms like TED, TEDx, Blue Talks, and, and I'm going to throw myself in there because I like to feel like we, we are providing that. And um, so many people really, they're not familiar with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I ask people all the time, do you ever watch TED? And they'll say, what is it? And I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't know. So, but, but so Blue Talks, how long has that been in business? It's fairly well, new. Yeah, it's so new that there's, there's a two-part answer to that. So from a person on the outside looking in, they would think we're running for, let's say, a year. And so and I'll explain what I mean by that. But from the real actual official answer, we actually haven't launched until August 11th. So depending, you know, <laughs> watching the replay, they might be just watching it as we're launching. But when I say that, I, just to clarify why it's still – that's still not an accurate answer either because back in September – Last year, we filmed our first Blue Talks Live. Well, for that audience that was there, in their mind, we were still launched because they still came to a, a live uh, event where they watched speakers and got inspired and all that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and then we started sharing many clips, video clips and and uh, photos. And then the um, the virtual events, uh, what is this, July? So last earlier last month, we ran uh, virtual events over two weeks and we ended up having over 20,000 viewers. So it was a really big event and that, you know, so for those people watching that, they would say, well, you guys are already launched. So technically, I guess you could say we've been launched <laughs> for a while, but as far as the official, almost like a grand opening of a store that's been open for a little while, yeah. our grand opening is August 11th. That's when so, we start rolling out weekly. So you're alive, but just not live. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you're going to be live very soon, but you're alive without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. And even the website's been up and we've been getting a ton of visitors, even though Again, we're not officially live, so it's yeah, it's sort of it's sort of live, sort of not live. Yeah, got it. Very cool. So, so what I was watching last night, your uh, TEDx uh, talks, and and for those of you who are not familiar, it's public speaking. You're you're in a forum where you have an audience. Um, it could be an auditorium, it could be a theater, it could be uh, it, it could be a banquet hall. I mean, it could be wherever you could put an audience, right? And you're a multi-time TEDx speaker. Now, I want to touch on the three videos that I watched. I loved all three topics, so I hope we can get to the, some meat and potatoes in the short time that we have this morning. But the first one that I watched was on crushing fear. I'm gonna, I want you to run with that from there because fear, fear of public speaking, fear of dying, right? These, that's pretty critical stuff. Yeah, so I'll... You know, I'll I'll run from there and and add that why that topic was so important to me, why it spoke to me to get that message out was because I'm I can look at both sides of my life, pre fear, post fear, and of course I'm like everybody, I still have fears, but uh, there are a lot smaller and there's a lot less of them than there once was. Well, post fear, previous to having, uh, previous to getting past my fears, I felt like I wasn't really living my life fully. Like I, I was, again, I was terrified of public speaking. Um, I tell that a lot of people are shocked, but I was terrified of public speaking. <laughs> I terrified of heights, even though I've jumped out of a plane since. Uh, I, you know, terrified, I can't swim and I've surfed twice. Uh, you know, so <laughs> a lot of these things that I would have never even considered, ultimately I end up doing. Stand-up comedy, I performed for nine years. You know, number one fear in the world is public speaking. Well, stand-up comedy is really above that. It's just so few people will try it. They just throw it and lump it in with speaking. So all these things I felt were holding me back from living fully. And, and I, my fear was so strong. This sounds really crazy to people I know that, uh, you know, people that don't have, let's say they have a fear of public speaking, but could speak in front of 10 of their friends. My fear was so strong that I would ask other people to order pizza for me. Like I, at a, now I could talk in front of 10 people, like hanging out at a party, right. but pick up an order of pizza felt for some weird, I don't understand it, weird reason awkward to me. It was like a fear and, and it was really just a fear of calling anybody in the phone, like a stranger, let's essentially. Yeah. Uh, so I never did any of the jerky boys prank calls when I was younger. <laughs> right. Right. 
But having said all that, that was for me uh, what pre-fear looked like. And then, to be honest, the biggest step inside my comfort zone, I think, in a lot of ways, was the catalyst moment that allowed me to expand my comfort zone, which was me getting on a stand-up comedy stage. And I was tricked into it, but I had this vision of being a guy at the bar, an old man pointing at the stage with other comics performing years later and saying, I wish I would have done that. And I didn't want to have that regret. So I jumped on the stage and performed. And that, you know, not dying on the stage. You know, we joke about it. We call it dying on the stage. But I think we literally think we're, we could die. right? might not make it off that stage alive. And so that once I got off the stage alive, then uh, basically, you know, all bets were off. Like, it seemed like once I did that, then me expanding further, my comfort zone further, became so much easier. And I kept doing it to a point where people would invite me to speak on getting outside your comfort zone. And so that talk was me really revealing, A, what I reverse engineered discovered I had to do to crush my fears. But then also I had interviewed thousands of thought leaders and asked them about crushing their fears. So it was really my delivery of the, the steps that you need to take to expand your comfort zone. Yeah, it's amazing because when you do put yourself out there, I, I laughed when you said you didn't know how to swim, but you've surfed three times. It's like, just go out there with the sharks. You'll figure it out. You'll learn how to swim real quick. Um, it's a high. There's a, there's a dopamine that kicks in. When you put yourself out there to overcome that specific fear, and then you do it, like I've always wanted to jump out of an airplane. I don't have the guts. I've always wanted to skydive. I don't have the guts because of fear, right? So, so what do you do? You just, I mean, where do you start? I just got to do it. <laughs> so it's funny when, when, uh, so I'll, I'll give you a full answer to that, but I also have to be, uh, fair and give credit that every single thing I did, I didn't just go out surfing. Like I didn't just grab the board and go out on my own. I went out with friends that they weren't like, I didn't go to a, a surf school, but I had friends that knew what they were doing. You and went I, with, you went with some knowledge. Yeah. And I did the same with stand up, even though, uh, there's times when I would say he wasn't the best mentor. He still was a mentor and he still, I still had somebody that could say, this is what it's like. Um, and so, and, and jumping out of a plane, I did a tandem. I had somebody with me that had landed on the ground once without bouncing, you know? <laughs> um, so having said that, I just wanted to add that in. Um, and that, you know, that's one of the steps I reveal in the video is, is having a buddy or a mentor, you know, somebody, a buddy that can go along with you. Um, my girlfriend and I, we spoke at, um, well, I spoke at the uh, Brooklyn Navy Boys and Girls Club, and in doing that, um, the the people that when we were setting it up, they said, you know, just before warned, there's some crews, you know, AKA gangs in this area that are really causing a lot of trouble, and you know, so our family were like, oh, it's, it's dangerous. What are you doing? And and so I had a buddy. My girlfriend came with me. You know, and I had a buddy system. So I had somebody else that was there through the whole thing with me. She was even there, um, you know, welcoming the students or welcoming the, the kids that into the room. And so buddy system. So, um, you know, I recommend you have a buddy system, but the biggest part to this whole thing is figuring out what what you want to do. So whatever that thing that you want to do is outside your comfort zone. Um, I always say, like, draw a circle. And if you want to do something, see if it's inside or outside your comfort zone, first of all. If it's inside your comfort zone, it'll be a lot easier, obviously. If it's outside your comfort zone, after you've done the circle and said, okay, this is outside my comfort zone, then what you need to do is you need to piece it down into what are the small steps I'd need to take to take this big step. So if it was getting on a stand-up stage, you may want to, I didn't do this, but you may want to uh, read a book about comedy. You may want to go watch a comic comedy show. You may want to take a comic out for lunch. You may want to watch uh, HBO comedy specials regularly to get the feel for it. Uh, there's a book called The Comedy Bible. You may want to buy because it teaches you about the inside of comedy. So do all these mini things, and each time you do one of those steps, give it brings yourself, the level of fear down. It does, but then also I recommend give yourself a reward because it's like the carrot. You'll always want to keep chasing the next carrot. So give yourself a reward, and then if you've done four or five of those small steps, you get so close to the big step without realizing you're that close. You've given yourself all these rewards, set a big reward for the big step, and now taking that step onto the stage is so much smaller than if you try to do it all at once like I did because I was tricked into it. You know, so now, that's now that. I, I you can do that for everything. Yeah, and, and it makes total sense. But what about um and that's easy to do when your fear is jump. I don't want to say easy, but but you know where I'm coming from. But when your fear is uh being in, in water that's over your head or jumping out of a plane or public speaking or doing comedy. But what about the fear of dying? Right? Because because that's one of that's in the top list of, of fears, the fear of dying. 
How do you reward yourself after that? <laughs> well, you have to reward yourself for living. That's the key. Right, that's right. You don't reward yourself for dying. This might I did it. I did it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you're okay with me segueing into a second one of my TEDx talks. but Please do. Yes. We're just freestyling here. Sure. So you gave me a segue to it. Um, so my one of my other TEDx talks is what would you tell your younger self? And the reason that I delivered that TEDx talk is I've asked the question over 5,000 times. The question is, if you could jump into a time machine, go back and visit a younger Joe, go back and visit a younger Corey, go back and visit a younger Sue, and you could tell yourself one piece of life advice based on what you've learned in the years since, what would you say to yourself? Because I noticed that people when they're 45, 50, 60, whatever, you know, whatever that age is, over a certain age, they can look back and they have perspective and say, why did I stress over all that? And so my, right. my answer is, and this, I think this relates to stressing over dying. Uh, what I would say is the, the common theme that people said is what the, the path you're on right now, you're on the right path. The stuff that you'd want to erase away is actually crucial to becoming the person that you are now. And But the biggest one, and this is my own paraphrasing of it, but to ask yourself this, if what I'm stressing myself over right now will really matter in one year's time, let alone 10 years time. And if it won't, why are you letting it ruin your today? Right. And so is, what I'm saying about that is when you think about that, even the stressing out about dying, if you if you die in a year's time, it won't matter. Meaning like what you were worried about won't matter ever. <laughs> that's permanent, at least this, this form you're in now. And if you don't die, then you basically die day after day worrying about dying for that. Right. So, um, you know, when you think about it, uh, Robin Sharma, the guy who wrote The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari, had a great quote one time he shared with me. And he said that um, basically, uh, well, two-part thing, but he said, as far as dying, um, there's a lot of people that uh, die at 20 and wait till they're 80 to be buried. Oh, wow. And Powerful. he walking dead. And he basically said they're the, the zombies that are walking around not living on purpose, whatever that looks like to the person. But to me, that's the same thing as you worried about dying. And I'm not judging anybody for this, but same thing But you worried about dying is really, if you live that way, in some ways, you've already died a little bit. Right. And and to put another quote in there, I, and I'm paraphrasing this one, but I think it was Gandhi who said something along the lines of, uh, live as if you could die tomorrow, but plan as if you could live forever. I like and, that. And so, again, same idea is live every day like it's your last. If you're worried about dying anyway, then then what would you do on your last day? And live yeah. that way every day. And totally then, it, yeah, it totally makes sense. And you just brought me back to something. And I don't remember who said this to me. Uh, I was, you know, at one point in my life stressed out. And they said, Joe, you got to ask yourself what you're stressing over. Is it going to affect you five minutes from now? Is it going to affect you five days from now? Is it going to affect you five months from now? Is it going to affect you five years from now? Sometimes when you just stop in your tracks and you start to look at, hey, you know what? Five years from now, this is going to have no impact whatsoever in my life. So I might as well let it go in the next five minutes because you, you start to look at the value of the stress, which there really isn't any. Stress never fixed anything, right? No, and I'll give people a great book if you want to, it, beyond what I just said, if you want a, a massive, I'm going to call it a massive tool to help battle you in this worry, because really at the end of the day, it's still a bit worry, is uh, we talked about him off air, but Dale Carnegie, uh, he wrote, a, first of all, a masterful, masterful book, first book I ever read in my life, How to Win Friends and Influence People, but wow. he wrote another book, and it's weird for me to say little known book, because it sold 15 million copies, <laughs> Yeah, right. not really little known, um, but a book called How to Stop Worrying. And start living and that book will give you the answer to the question you asked now it involves reading a full book um, because it's so amazing I wouldn't do it a service if I tried to sum it up like every chapter gives you another strategy for stopping worrying and starting to li truly live your life but that's right. that's what I'd say grab that book and it'll give you those answers that is and and you know Dale Carnegie yeah he's done pretty well for himself <laughs> he did okay uh, I, what I heard is that he personally, at least through his program, uh, this is before his passing in nineteen in the fifties. He uh, personally trained over a million people in public speaking, and that's, that's not for books. That's like courses that they ran all throughout the U.S. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I, you know, when we, before we went live was talking about how I was, I was forced to take a, a Dale Carnegie course when I was a kid and, and had to ask myself why I was there. And now, you know, I'm 55 years old and I look back and I say, man, I'm so grateful for that course. It's just good stuff. It teaches you how to think, right? Well, I, I shared this with you too, that I didn't read a first, my first book until age 27, which is very unique to hear, I think, in these days. Um, no books pulled me in. Like they just couldn't pull me in. But here's something I decided I'm going to do. And it's, I can't take credit for it. A friend of mine does it. Uh, but I decided my kids are going to get paid uh, to read, to do book reports for me. And they're going to hate me at the time. But to your point, whenever they're 30 or 25, they're going to say, I can't believe he did that for me. That was such a blessing. But they're going to hate me at the time. Well, like, <laughs> like, and think and grow rich when you're 16. You know, like the, the person's going to go, I don't even know how to, Un, fully grasp all these concepts, but what later on they'll serve them. That's and, a, you're going to pay them to read these books. Yeah. If my parents paid me to do my homework, I probably would have gotten straight A's in school. Seriously. I, that's the way I was wired. I definitely would have done well. <laughs> well, you didn't hear this from me because I, I might get a lot of flack for this, but uh, I won't, I, I mean, I may pay, yeah, well, I'll figure this out, at the, when the time <laughs> but I will pay them more to read Think and Grow Rich and How to Win Friends and, and these classic books than I will for bringing home an A. And that's where I might get some flack. But I, I think school is is very useful and powerful. But I think what you learn from a life perspective from these masters, the giants of the world, uh, is there's it's priceless. Wow. You just uh, what you just said is so true. And 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 I'm on I'm on your side. You're not going to get you know slack from me on this because I believe in these books. I'm I'm a junkie when it comes to these books. But imagine being in 11th grade and reading Think and Grow Rich, which is about inner wealth. You know, a lot of people sometimes they hear that title and they think, "Oh, how am I going to accumulate money?" No, it's how to how to be successful, how to be confident, how to how to love you, love your life and go out and get it and overcome fears, you know talking about people like Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford and how they did it, the greats, right? But there's another one called The Millionaire Next Door. I can't remember who the author is. Do you, do you happen to know? I, I, I you know what, I, I want to say, but I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to say wrong, but I want to say David Bach, but I might be wrong on that. But I, yeah. I, I know the book, I mean, I have, it, I have it out in my library. Well, so imagine reading that when you were in 11th grade. You, you would think differently about how you spend your money. Like, you are right. Instead of coming home with an A, come home and go, Mom, school, Dad, school's making me read this book called The Millionaire Next Door. And then we're going to read Think and Grow Rich. And then we're going to read How to Win and Influence Friends. Whoa. I guarantee, guarantee, if those were the three books that school uh, made it a, a policy to study, the students who took that class would be further down the road than the student who came home with an A in gym class. <laughs> you know, you're so right. And I'll tell you something that has been actually, well, it's been proven um, through this group. I was told this by one director in one branch. So I'm, I'm only, I'm going by her word. I'm taking her word on this. So I'm going to share it, but also <laughs> it by the fact that I'm going by what she told me, but she said that uh, junior achievement, and I don't know if that's in every school system, but what it is is that uh, kids from grades, that, let's say 10 to 12, so high school, um, they learn how to start their own business. And it's just a course where they actually start their own business. Uh, they get seed money to start it, all that kind of stuff. Um, those students go up in all their other courses. So their overall grade point by two, point, two um, grades. So if they're a D student, they go up to a B student. So if you think in terms of percentages, they go from a 60% to an 80% as far as the average, if they go into junior achievement and learn how to start their own business. Um, you know, so, I mean, if that's even close to true for what she told me, and, th and this is, she said that that's what they like did a study on. Um, and then also, um, what's his name? Um, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Right. They have programming in school, and I've heard crazy numbers of how the success ratio they have. Um, I had this guy uh, we were going to interview a while back, Daniel Pewter. He's a former U uh, UFC guy, and he started a school in Florida where they take the students that the school give, has given up on, and they get them go. They get them into university. You know, like and and by the way, most of what they teach them is entrepreneurship, life skills, that type of stuff. So to your point. If that was a focus in every school, I believe firmly we'd be in, better, in a better place, uh, at least from a personal development point of view and from a success point of view.
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just the other night, and it kind of plays into this when you talk about kids learning entrepreneurship. Uh, the other night I was watching Shark Tank and there, you know how every now and then a young kid comes up with something and he's pitching Mr. Wonderful. And this kid stood strong. He was like 12 years old and he was looking for like $500,000. And uh, he said something to Mr. Wonderful and Mr. Wonderful turns around and goes, have you ever been in front of a bunch of wealthy businessmen like this like you should be listening to us and he looked the 12 year old looks at mr wonderful and goes have you ever given five hundred thousand dollars to a 12 year old <laughs> and i go oh my gosh and that and the, and the sharks loved it i'm like i love this kid that was like a a, a negotiating skill like that was just beautiful but you brought me there i had to share that story with you because i thought i got so excited i'm like i love this kid he's 12 have you ever given five hundred thousand to a 12 year old by the way, did he get any money? He did. Actually, he got the investment. He didn't get 500000 though. <laughs> well, I'll add into this, and now I have to share this. Uh, it's a really, uh, for me, it was a, a moment that of clarity that I think every adult in that audience could learn from this kid. And again, I don't know. I, I, almost every time this happens, you have to think the parents played a part or the school did, one of the two. Uh, but this kid was in an audience uh, for this guy named Stuart McLean. Uh, this guy in Canada was an icon. He passed away not that long ago, but he was an icon uh, with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, so the, the main public radio uh, channel across the country, right. uh, a show called The Vinyl Cafe. And he told these stories about, and he made them up. They're fictional stories about these characters living in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, Canada. Um, and they were in the mines and like, he just, it was the, we, these stories and he ended up writing, I don't know how many books he had, like 25 books. He had the show uh, weekly. Uh, I think it might've been daily, but I'm going to say weekly to be safe. And he, I did an interview with him and he invited me to one of his shows and we went to the show and we were in the audience and he asked, does anybody in the audience have any questions? And that was part of his format is he would do storytelling. Then the audience would ask questions and he'd bring a live entertainer on storytelling questions, live entertainer. And, and he'd been doing it for 27 years at that point. And so uh, he asked, anybody have any questions? And this little tiny hand goes up near the front. And he said, yes, sir, you have a question. Uh, he said, what's your name? He said, Malachi. He said, how old are you, Malachi? And he said, eight. I think it was eight. And he said, uh, you have a question for me? He said, yeah, can I go up on stage and interview you? <laughs> and Stuart stopped everything. And he said, okay, this is a lesson to the adults in the audience. How many of you... You know, the one, take the people out of the room that have the fear of being on a stage. How many of you would like to come up and interview me? And, you know, let's say 200 hands went up out of 1,000 people or something like that. And 20% would be a huge number in an audience when it's going up on a stage and speaking. Because you don't know. He might invite you up by asking that question. Right. So some people keep their hands down just because they're scared he'd say, come on up. Yeah, you don't want to be the person in class getting called on, right? <laughs> 100%. So he said, and he threw a number up, but let's say it was 200 people. 200 of you would have loved to come up here tonight. And guess what? All you would have had to do is ask, but you didn't. The eight-year-old asked. And so he said, the lesson for you guys is, if you don't ask the question, the answer is always no. Malachi, get up on stage here. And so wow. Malachi went up on stage. It's, I'll finish the story because it's a cool ending too. Malachi sat across from him, did this interview, which was two questions. Uh, and they weren't even like deep reported questions, but they were just two questions. And then he took two quarters out of his pocket and handed them to Stewart. And Stewart said, what's that for? And he said, because my parents always told me, and this is why I think it came from the parents, you got to uh, pay people for the value of their time. And so Stuart stopped for a minute and he said, you know what, Malachi, I'll take one quarter and you take one and we'll never forget our night together. Wow. So wow, that, there's so many lessons in that, right? If, imagine being in the audience watching that. You're Now you're going, man, I wish I raised my hand. <laughs> and, and, true story. And But the other side is think about the flip side of the kid that taught them that lesson. And imagine if it was from his parents or something he learned in school. And what I'm getting at, to your point, imagine if all kids learn that stuff and were willing. It doesn't mean they have to conquer fear of getting on stage, but they're willing to ask for what they wanted. Rather than right. have fear and just never taking that step. So well, I think we, we definitely are on to something that the school system should be at some point looking at. I mean, I think it's a big institution that it takes a long time to steer the ship. But I would love to think that they're at least looking at how can we start bringing some of this stuff into the school system overall. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a technique in sales training that they, they talk about, you know, be the five-year-old. Be the five-year-old. Ask why. You're a salesperson and you're you're sitting down with your prospect be the five-year-old. Why? Why do you do that? Why did you choose that company? Uh, why are you using that particular product? And be the five-year-old. Just keep asking, you know, that kid that you want to send home, like, like, you know, like kid, time to go home to your parents because you ask way too many questions. 
But imagine sitting down with a kid and saying, look, asking questions is so valuable. <laughs> Maybe they did. Maybe that's why the kid wouldn't stop asking me questions. I sent them home. You're right. Well, there's that thing, the five whys. Have you ever heard of that? The five whys? No. Does it kind of play into what we were just saying? What yeah, is the five? What you just said. Uh, they say that's the best way to get to the heart of something. So whether it's your purpose, whether it's what you want to do. But the gist is, uh, if you say something, I go, why? And you give me an answer, and then I go, yeah, but why? And you give me an answer, and then I go, yeah, but why? And what you're trying to do is peel back the onion layer. And right. they say, whether it's marketing, coming up with business strategy, developing your purpose, that's the way to get to your, your core. And it makes me think of an episode of Friends where Phoebe was teaching them how to get to what was really deeper. And she said, um, she played this game where she asked these questions really quick. What color is your hair? What this? What's this? What's this? Why do you hate me? You know, and the, <laughs> you're just getting your odd, your first thing that came to your mind. And then Good. the last one was the, you know, the deepest one. So it's right. like the same thing. So yeah, I think there's a power in asking questions the right way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Boy, this is, all, there's so much stuff like within we could, you talk about peeling the onion, we could peel every one of these topics and go down a road for another hour. Uh, now you have a book out called why? Is, is it the title of the book? Is, is It's the book of why and how. The book of why. The book of, book of why and how. Yes. Why? <laughs> segue, right? I had to. I had to. Uh, you know, I, it's funny. In the first of the book, I, I said, and I, I believe, I hope this is true, meaning I believe what I wrote would to be true, is I said, I wouldn't contribute this book in this way if I didn't feel like I had a message that hasn't been shared in this way. And so for me, I felt like people needed to hear the message in a different way. And so uh, this is the best way I can explain it. I'll tell you the, the, the let's call it the guts of the book. Um, but basically the book is three sections. So I built it like that, three acts, almost like three acts in a play. Act one is why. And it's essentially me helping you figure out what your calling is, what your why is, what your purpose is. Uh, we dive a lot deeper, though. We go into, I ask the four whys. Why, why not, why not you, why not now? And we dive into all those areas. Uh, and then that's section one or act one. Act or section two is called thriving. And it's me revealing the five top things I've learned interviewing now. Uh, it's funny because in my bio, uh, you mentioned 4,000. And it's, this is on me because I haven't updated it to tell people, but we're actually over 6,000 now. No kidding. So it's insane. And so um, so almost like you mentioned this off air, but uh, Napoleon Hill, I mean, you know, in a lot of ways, I think that's what sort of kick, gave me that kick to start doing it. And then I became obsessed interviewing people. But what I learned in the uh, interviews with that many people, now I share this, the top five of them in that section called Thriving. So that's almost the how, right? The first one is why, figure out your purpose. Second one is now what do you do with it? How do you How do you go to the top? The third section is called Enlightened, uh, or the third act. And I would compare that to, uh, it's almost like the conscious way of doing things. So how can you do those two things I just showed you? Deliver your purpose and and do all the things that the high achievers do so you do it quicker than everybody else and more efficient. But now how do you do it and still be able to sleep at night? So the conscious way of doing it. But even in that section, it also includes things like self-care. So how do you stay sane while you're doing all this stuff? And then the bonus section, which makes the book completely unique, is 400 quotes of those 6,000, from those 6,000 people I interviewed. So these are direct quotes that I got their permission to publish in the back of the book. So that's the book. And it really what I hope is people leave figuring out the purpose. And here's the thing. It's each section is written as its own thing so that you can, you can skip the first section. If you know for a hundred percent sure you figured out your purpose, you can dive right into what you do now. Uh, but the book is written so that you, A, can figure out your purpose, B, uh, know what the highest of achievers are doing so you can emulate them, and then C, do it in a way that you can sleep at night, and then finish off with insights that could change your life. That's the book, and what was that, a two-minute nutshell? No, that, but that's beautiful. You know what I'm thinking to myself? I would buy this book, and I'm going to buy this book, for the quotes alone, because so much comes out of a quote. You know, especially when you're 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 dealing with thought leaders who who you know have so much wisdom and experience to share. Uh, how do you? I have to ask you this because you've interviewed in, now. You say it's six thousand. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, I think I'm up to like seventy. <laughs> but you've interviewed over six thousand people. Uh, I'm sure some of these folks were for stories. Uh, I know you you're a columnist for Entrepreneur Magazine and and Forbes Magazine, and how do you choose 
Is there like a, a book of lists that you're going down and saying, okay, yep, need to call Zig Ziglar's kid. You know, we need to call, like, where, where are your guests coming from? Well, it's an interesting question. And a lot of times too, um, people get, you know, like they, they get curious about the numbers. Like, how did you get to that big a number? Because, um, and, and a lot of them will go to the podcast. On the podcast, we've probably interviewed, I want to say between my podcast, probably about 1,500 there, that one way. And so people are, because you start thinking the timeline, how could you do that many interviews? And and I, it always makes me think of that because I have somebody I know, and I won't say a name or anything, but said they did X amount of operations in a year. And when I crunched the numbers, it would have to be like 15 a day. And I don't know any doctor that could do that many a day. So just like you question the numbers. Yeah. So where the 6,000 comes in is I actually had a newspaper. And I know I shared this with you off air. Uh, newspaper for five years monthly. And I had to interview almost 100 people to fill that paper every month. So right. that's where the real big number started. Like that got me up to like 3,000 uh, doing that for five years. Right. So just to say where the numbers came in. Um, in terms of, and every one of those has been documented, meaning like whether it's in the newspaper, whether it's in, I did a book series too called Conversations With. And each of those books, we interviewed about 75 thought leaders and shared their story in the book. Uh, so they've all been you know shared in some way, shape or form. In terms of how I choose, it's interesting because at first, I was in a low, I was, the newspaper was in a regional area. So I was just approaching business owners. I thought I had a really cool local story. And then, then I went, uh, when I decided that I was going to take this serious, I built a dream 100 list. And there's a story about how, again, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Usually right. when I'm doing a keynote, I share that story about Stuart McLean when I talk about me uh, asking for the interviews because asking was a big part of it. There's a strategy I used and stuff too. But on that first list of 100, I asked people in the audience, how many of these people do you think I was able to reach? And I'm putting the names up in the wall. And if they're, if they're sort of in the know of the thought leaders, they realize these aren't easy people to reach. You know, like T. Harv Eker, who wrote The Secret of the Millionaire Mind, um, Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Lisa right. Nick, The Secret. And so I put these names up and, and uh, people are saying to me, I don't know, 10? Did you reach 10? Anyway, the, the number, and this is after like four or five years, because I kept working on that one list. Uh, the answer was 93. So 93% of people that, in almost every case, I had to go through multiple layers to reach them. So, but the answer is the first started with a list. And then from there, it's been kind of like a mixed bag of my dream list keeps building. Like I'll discover somebody new and say, I need to bring them on the show. Or uh, I'll get people to reach out. So we have publicists that'll reach out about me bringing somebody on the show. Recently, um, I had somebody reach out about Mark Victor Hansen's new book. So Mark is a co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm -hmm. And Mark and his wife have a new great book called Ask Out. And so I had somebody that reached out about bringing him on the show. I had somebody that reached out. We didn't do the interview, but somebody reached out about Stedman Graham. So uh, people don't know Stedman Graham. That's Oprah's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I don't. And when I say that, I don't, I don't diminish his work in any way by saying that. I just because I'd love to be able to say he's married to Oprah, but they're not married. Um, so but, <laughs> right. but, but this guy has created his own legacy i mean what i love is that he's never wanted to build his brand behind oprah like he's wanted to right. everything on his own and he's crushed he's a top level speaker but they reached out because he had a new book out a pu uh, publicist and we couldn't make the interview work because once they reached out i wanted to do something bigger than that and we couldn't make the bigger than that work so it didn't happen but but the point is is that they reached out so i have some people who reach out um i have ones that i reach out as a dream list and then i'd say the last part to it is referrals from other podcasters that I know. They'll say, dude, you just you need to hear this guy's story. You need to hear this girl's story. You need to get her on the show. Or they'll just email and say, hey, Corey, meet so-and-so, so-and-so, meet Corey. I think they'd be a good fit in your show. Yeah. So it's a mix of everything I just said there. Yeah, well, kudos to you, man. You've had uh, great opportunities. And, and I always look at, like, even sitting here with you and, and all of my guests that I've had on the show, to me, it's opportunity, and that's where my gratitude comes from because I'm like, you know, after every show, I walk away, I go have breakfast, and I go, man, I'm like the luckiest guy on earth just to learn and have these conversations, right? Now, there, there's one thing that you and I need to talk about, which means I need to have you back on the show, okay? But I want to talk. I loved your, your, um, your TEDx talk that you did on if you wanted to change the world or if you wanted to... Uh, create change right and and what stops you like what like if you want to have impact on the world and i just love that topic because so you can extract so much from that topic uh i'm gonna save that 
for for an, for another day. But if we, if before we go today, can you can you tell me what your passion on the youth? Right, uh, you have a couple projects that you're working with the youth. Why? <laughs> I go back now. I'm never going to use the word "why" the same again after this show. But why? <laughs> well, you know, I know everybody's passionate about kids, right? But but you're you're giving us some effort here. Uh, so there's a couple of parts that on one hand, I now am a father, and now it started before that, but I I am a father, so obviously that plays a part now. You know, it increases your passion because you realize these are the leaders of tomorrow more than you realized before. Um, at the same time, I had. Uh, I, I was, uh, uh, full disclosure, when I was growing up until I was about 25, not a kid's person at all, which is really weird for me to say now, uh, but <laughs> years ago, right? We live a, a long time, if we're lucky, and it's amazing how much we can transform. Well, I happen to have some really close friends who had kids that, you know, when I would go over and visit, and the kids took to me, and so then I started, I don't know, I started seeing kids in a different light and started saying, you know what, like, again, that's when I started realizing these are the leaders of tomorrow, and we're, we're making impressions on them. and so. That was one part of it. Then the other part of it is I was raised by a single mother. And so, for example, I mentioned speaking at the Brooklyn Navy Boys and Girls Club. So the example of why was I passionate about that, it's because I actually went to a boys club when I was a kid because I was raised by a single mother. We didn't have money. You know, in Canada, hockey's the big thing. Well, she didn't have money to buy me hockey pads and skates and all that kind of stuff. And so the boys club gave me that. Like I, And when I say it gave me that, I mean they gave me that outlet. Like I could go there and play road hockey. I could go there and play basketball. I could go there and play pool and hang out with my friends. And so, and the great part is everybody that was there, and there were some kids there that their parents could have bought all those things, but they just wanted to go and hang out with other friends. But the cool part is nobody felt like that when you're in there. When you're in that environment, nobody felt like it's because I can't afford something that I'm here. What you felt like was I get to hang out with my friends and learn and play and all that kind of stuff. So for me, I feel like it's my sort of, as Zig Ziglar would say, moral obligation. It's my moral obligation to give back. And so to do that talk at the boys club, I believe I probably got more from it than any kid in the room. I'd like to think, you know, as a speaker, I'd like to think I, that's not true, but I feel like I got more from it as a receiving point of view, giving back in that way. And, and also just, um, I, I get, to me, I like the idea of reaching somebody that somebody else would say is not reachable for mm -hmm. me. To reach as, you know, as at the time, mid 30 year old. And I go into that room with uh, a lot of kids that, you know, are, they have it rough at home or they, they're, they, they may not finish high school. And I'm trying to give them nuggets of wisdom, but I also got to do it in a way that they don't go, oh, yeah, another adult trying to talk to me. And right. so I, I took pride in trying to reach them. And how I did it, by the way, was my background in stand up comedy, my right. background in music. And so I talk about writing this song and then I would use that as a life lesson. Then I would talk about sharing the bill with a certain comic that they were aware of. And then I would weave that into a life lesson. And so I would keep, so it was almost like the band that plays a new song and then a hit, a new song and a hit right. with the hit, which was like <laughs> a story about this uh, when I bombed in stand up comedy and then I'll go, here's a life lesson. And what was really neat is to talk to the, uh, the person that afterwards that the director who told us, you know, they were still talking about stuff they learned from this guy. And but I mean, to go back to your question, the passion is, I think, both a now having kids and seeing that these are the leaders of tomorrow and we do get to leave. We get to do make a dent in the universe based on how we help them and serve them. And then at the same time, because as a kid, people gave to me, I want to give back. So, that's yeah, our answer. Yeah, no, that's and it's a great answer. It really gets your mind thinking too, though. I mean, I think you know, I laughed when you said, you know, up until you're like 25 years old, you weren't a kid's person, right? And that's that's like kind of natural. When you're a teenager, like get out of here, kid, you're bothering me, right? Not not realizing the influence you can have or you do have on that child because the child's looking up at you and they're gonna mimic and do you know, children learn what they live, right? And and I, I just I love that how how you talked about transforming into this person that now how can I help the leaders of tomorrow right and and we could go down the road of talking about today and and you know with 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 protesting and all this stuff because there are a lot of our, our youth is getting involved sometimes not in a way that we would hoped you know um, but. But overall, I see kids today getting more and more involved. Their voice is getting bigger because of technology, because of, of Facebook and, and, and Twitter and all these avenues that you and I didn't have when we were growing up in school. 
you had a scream from the top of your lungs and when school's over at three o'clock there was nobody listening to you but your parents and your your siblings and and you know your few friends that you communicated with but now today your voice is pretty much non-stop with social media um that i want i want i want your word that you'll come back on the show because i have so many ideas for topics that you and i can can hit uh this to me was like a general overview of who is Corey Poirier, man. Cause I read up on you and I'm like, this is an interesting guy. Let's get him on the show and let's start there. Yeah. So the answer is hundred percent. I'm all in. Awesome. I appreciate that. And if, and, and, and for you too, if you get something where you're doing something with youth and you're bringing in guest speakers, I've got a couple messages that I love to share with, with kids. I, I'll never forget my nephew. I was talking with him one day and I was giving him advice and he was quiet through the whole thing. And when I got all done, he looks at me, he goes, thanks for the after school special, uncle Joe. <laughs> like, I didn't know how to take that. Did you take in what I just told you? Are you being a wise guy right now? Yeah. Which, he, which he was. Yeah, I love it. That, that, you know, in a lot of ways, that's such a kid. But at the same time, as you said earlier, we don't know what's going to sink in. That's right. And it was a lesson learned on my part because I was sounding like an after school special. It was more of a lecture than it was a any type of a talk or education. <laughs> I was probably mad at him over something. But but uh, so so, Corey, if somebody wants to follow you on Facebook, they want to follow Blue Talks, they want to buy your book. Is there a central location? There's all these facets to your life. Is there a central location where we can get all this information on you? So, so I'm going to say 90%. <laughs> Blue Talks isn't up there yet. So 90% of everything you can get at thatspeakerguy.com. So thatspeakerguy.com. I say that because we do have a, a, a URL for the book. We do have a URL for Blue Talks. But if you go to thatspeakerguide.com, if, you, if you're willing to do a little bit of looking on the site, you can actually see where it says buy the book. Um, but if you're watching that, you know, this way you can go to the, my site um, and you can connect with me on social media because all the social media links are at the top of that page. My TEDx talks that you were talking about are on that page. Uh, my articles for Entrepreneur Forbes on that page. And then, like I said, the uh, link for the book is on that page. So everything as far as that goes is there. Um, if you want to learn more about Blue Talks, it's pretty easy. It's Blue Talks. Without the E in the blue, so blue talks, uh, blu.com. Got it. Got it. And is your book available on uh, you know all the book sites, Amazon and, and Barnes and Noble, so forth? Absolutely. And and the key thing is the only reason I said if you go to the website and go to that link is when you go to that link, it actually on that the main URL for the book, it actually has all the pages so you can choose. It's on Target, Walmart, Amazon you know, wherever, wherever you buy books, Barnes and Noble, yeah. <laughs> wherever you buy books, you can get a book from the author right here. Ladies and gentlemen, Corey Poirier. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to close the show out with you. So just hang tight with me and you and I will talk, uh, just kind of recap as a couple of things here. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, Friday, Jason Adamo, Doug Castine here live performing some of the greatest music this side of the Mississippi. So make sure you join in and please visit our website, wake up to the vibe where you can now buy your apparel, your accessories, and you can find links to all of our guests and so much more. Have a great day. Pay it forward. God bless. We'll see you later.